great time of the year. It's important that we not only celebrate and concentrate on the things that are most important for the holidays, but to also remember that there are people who don't know anything about what we're celebrating, or maybe feel on the outside looking in, feel liking, feeling like they cannot celebrate with us. And I, I beg you, try to make somebody else's Christmas very, very happy. Do something beyond yourself and reach out to people who are lonely this time of the year. It's important that we touch folks. You know, the attempted um, acts of, of violence against self rise during the holidays when there is the most hope for some, there's the least. And so I beg you, do a little bit more than you would normally do during this holiday season. Turn with me over to the book of Luke. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. The title of the message is Coming to Christ. Coming to Christ. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared, verse 13, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. Lord, help us as we study. I want to talk to you about two things. Angels are sent to shepherds, and then shepherds come to Jesus. This is, one of, this is one event that only happens once in all of human history. Though God had made the decision way before the earth was founded that he would love humanity like this, this was the moment for us to recognize what he was about to do and for humanity to glorify him in an extraordinary way. In times like this, it's important to remember that angels are created beings. They have different abilities than we do, but they are created beings. They are not gods. They had a beginning. They won't have an end, but they are not gods. And so they are built with some degree of unknowing. God is the only one who is omniscient. They don't know everything, angels. And so they weren't quite sure, I, I almost feel, about when this was going to take place, how it was going to take place. Because you almost see a sense of anticipation by the angelic beings in the announcement to these shepherds. Now what's interesting about this is, is, is the people to whom God makes this announcement. I, I might have chosen CNN. The Washington Post? How about USA Today, a national newspaper? Some kind of public proclamation 
organization that could get the, the news out. Okay, if, if, if it's supposed to be by revelation, not just by information, that people get the information as a result of being somehow stewards of the things of God and, and he's only going to reveal it to those whom he wishes, I get it. What about the priests? The holy guys, the fellas that are in church, the people that run small groups, the pastors, the deacons in the church. What, what, why not shepherds? Shepherds. Shepherds weren't even considered by the religious elite of that day as being folks that ever could be holy because they had to be out in the fields constantly watching over their sheep and they missed all the holy days. And so because they couldn't come to church on a regular basis, all the religious folk, the pastors of the day say, we don't even think you're worth counting in our, in our lot of membership. I know you're on the rolls, but it just doesn't matter because you don't show. These were the people that everybody else would think if God were going to do anything, he surely wouldn't do it to them. He wouldn't tell them. He wouldn't do it for them. Anybody ever feel like somehow you don't fit in the plan of God's most important, that there might be some other people that he would make known his perfect will to other than you? Maybe that's only me. I can guarantee you this, that Brett Shirley was not on the short list of folks that God wanted to send to D.C. Not because I wasn't willing, it's just that I wasn't competent. I had no skills. I was 21 years old. Even if you have skills at 21, you don't have them. You have no idea what you don't know. 21 years old. I had been born again all of 18 months in God. That's it. And somebody thought it was a good idea to send Brett to D.C. to start a ministry at Howard University and to be a part of a church plan in 1982. I don't know who that was. And what's strange is I said, good idea. That's how much I did not know. I wasn't on his short list. The only reason I got here is because everybody else said no. I don't know who it was, but everybody else said no. I was his last option. Shepherds, surely, God, you can reveal your stuff to people much more important than them. But God, God looks at things different than we do. He values things different than we do. He loves people you don't love. He likes people you don't like. He thinks... People can do stuff you don't think they can do. He thinks folks are worthy of receiving things you don't think they should get. And sometimes he will violate your pride by giving something to somebody else when you think you should have had it. And surely you think they shouldn't have had it. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have, but they surely shouldn't have. He will violate your pride because he's got a different way of evaluating people in life. We are all sinners, every one of us. And none is more worthy than any other to receive something. But whom God chooses, he just does. Favor is not rational. You cannot account for it. It's just whom God chooses. And he decided to choose shepherds. Now there are some qualities that surely might attract people to shepherds in terms of ministering this gospel. They they cared for sheep. And people in the Bible, are most often likened to, in the animal kingdom, sheep. We have many of the same 
character traits sheep do, the same weaknesses sheep do, the same needs sheep do. We don't do well when we're by ourselves. Sheep are, 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 are in real danger when they're by themselves. They need to be in flocks. We do better when we are with somebody. We are social creatures. I know you may not like any of the people that God put you with. But you still need them. And I beg you, please don't jettison them for a new group. Because the problem might be you. It just might be you. And, and, And you'll find after about five years, you got the exact same issues with this new group you had with the old group. The problem might be you because humanity is basically the same every place. Selfish, into themselves, only th- not, not generally thinking about you. And so you just you figure out what relationships look like on the other side of the cross. You bring forgiveness with you. You tote tolerance. You, you allow uh, understanding and preference and, 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 and love to be the the things that are in your tool belt so you can fix anything that might go wrong in a relationship rather than just throwing it in 513 and starting over someplace. We are social in our orientation. You know one of the greatest uh, causes of death for sheep is heart attack? Heart attack. A sheep that has a lot of wool on it before it's shorn, sometimes it gets caught in the thicket, you get scared and just die. True, just die. Just think he's, there's no hope and just quit and die. Sheep don't have very good eyesight. And so they, they can only see a little bit in front of them. Anybody know what's going to happen in the next three hours? I mean, you understand Christmas is coming tomorrow. You get that, but you don't know exactly how it's going to come. You planned it as best you know, but is anybody ever surprised by what somebody says at Christmas to spoil the entire moment? Wasn't, that wasn't scripted. That was not scripted. I didn't know we'd have to deal with that today. Arr! You have no idea. We have no idea what tomorrow brings. None. We do our best to try to plan it, but we are always surprised by something. Don't have very good eyesight. Our vision is limited. These shepherds were caring for sheep. Maybe God revealed this most important news to them because he wanted to let people know that when you care for my people, you wind up in a position where you can hear from me unusually. Angels come to shepherds. This angel shows up. And it says the gl- when the angel showed up, he came in some glory. Now, sometimes angels don't come in glory. With Mary, angel didn't seem to come in glory because there was no sense that this was an ominous moment. When, when he was talking to Mary about her bearing the Christ child, it just seemed to be another moment. He was, she felt like she was talking to a human being. But here... It says this angel came and the glory of the Lord not only was with him, but shone all around the shepherds and the shepherds were terribly frightened. Why? Because when angels showed up in the past, generally it was not good for man. Man was in trouble. Why? And it's, they were scared out of their mind. What did, I know I didn't go to church last week. I know I did. I know I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Every sin they thought about, every sin they had done, everything they had said wrong, they were now trying to repent of it in a hurry. I can promise you they were on their face. God, have mercy on me. And the angel said, don't worry, I'm not here. I got good news for you. Good news. 
when the message of the gospel is, when this good news is preached, there ought to be some glory on you. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of blinding stuff that makes people afraid. I'm talking about that unusual thing that they cannot explain, that you've been with Jesus. This gospel message is glorious. God became man. Who can understand that? It's beyond our comprehension that the infinite could become finite, that the all-powerful could become the, the, the most vulnerable version of weak ever, a human child. That he who was all-knowing now needed his ignorant creation to teach him two plus two. How in the world could God do that? Nobody ever thought it was possible. And yet the Lord had, had fashioned it in such a way that this was the only way he could bring redemption. This is great news. God became man. And he wasn't a 50-50 composite. He wasn't half God and then half man. By the way, if you're half God, you're not God. And if you're half man, you're not man. He was all God and all man. How can you be 200% of anything? Right. <laughs> this is where we lift our hands at some point. Rather than saying it doesn't make sense, we say, God, you're bigger than my brain. I thank you that you are larger than I can figure all out. And if he is God, he is larger than you can figure out. And if you think you can figure out God, when you figure out whatever God you think you figured out, he ain't God. That doesn't mean we don't use our intellectual capacity to the nth degree to push the envelope and make our brains work. God does not want us to shut off our smarts simply to have faith. I've been accused of being a lot of things, but dumb is never one of them. It's important that we, we, we fashion our minds to think. But once we get to the end of ourselves, we don't quit and say it doesn't make sense. We lift our hands and worship. And see, that's where you live, God, in the paradox beyond my brain. 100% man, 100% God. Being 100% man, he was tempted in every way just like us. Yet, because he was God without sin, he felt our pain. He knew what lack was, hunger, thirst, temptation. Throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. You know your God ain't going to let you strike your foot against the stone. He loves you too much, boy. What he was asking Jesus to do there in Matthew chapter 4? Fall. Fall. See, everybody else can fall and they get hurt, but when you fall, you don't get hurt. You can disobey and it'll be all right. The devil tells that to all of you. He says that to all of you. Everybody else gets caught. Everybody else gets in trouble, but not me. I can get away with this. I can jump off the pinnacle of the temple, and somehow his mercy will not allow me to suffer the consequences of my misdeeds. Am I talking to the wrong group of people tonight? God, yet all man. This message I think was probably, at least timing-wise, hidden from the angels. And he shows up with the glory. And the glory of this message was all around them. I beg you, preach this gospel. This is good news. This is the best news in the world. Preach it. 
If you don't know all the chapters and verses, just go ahead and give it out of your life. Let it emanate from your soul. Let it bleed. Let it pour out of your pores. This wonderful message. And serve him with integrity so that there is some degree of glory around your life. Whereby people say, I don't know what it is about you. I mean, I've been around a lot of people who say they know God, but you, I think you do. I think you're a real Christian because it's not just what you say, it's who you are and it's just something about you. Let that be you, please. I beg you, let some glory surround your presentation of what God has done for you, saving you, delivering you, forgiving you. Why did he have to be man? so that he could get the victory that we lost, being tempted in every way without sin, reacquire that which Adam lost in the garden and possess it as a human being. Adam lost it when he didn't, when he didn't obey God and ate from the tree from which God said don't eat. Here Jesus went through his entire life and had an opportunity to taste of the same fruit and he said no. Victory, consistency, 33 and a half years of right. And then he had to be man so he could die because the only propitiation, the only atonement for man's sin was blood. And the blood of animals and goats wasn't enough. Though they sacrificed animals for decades, for eons, for millennia, it wasn't enough. Somebody had to die. Some man had to pay the price. Blood needed to be spilled. The wages of sin was death. Jesus spilled his blood on our behalf. Yet because he had not sinned, Though he died, death could not hold him. So though he spilled his blood, it wasn't for his own sin. Though he died, it was not as a result of what he had done wrong. He died for you and me, and he was the only one who could do it because he had never sinned. Anybody who would be altruistic enough, benevolent enough to try to come before God in in kindness, Magnanimity is what I was trying to say. Anybody who wanted to come before God and say, Lord, I'd like to die for humanity, the Lord would have to say, wait, 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 wait. I appreciate your heart, but have you sinned? Well, yeah. Well, you got to die for your own sin. You can't die for anybody else. Jesus was the only one who could do it. He had to be all man. And he became the sacrificial benefit for us, the substitutionary death. He took our whooping. But because he had not sinned, death could not hold him, so that when they put him in the grave, he had to get back up. This is the good news. These angels are saying, it started. It has started. He said, a Savior is born for you. Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord and Savior. He's going to reign on the throne of his father David, so he's going to be Christ, which was the Greek word for Messiah. Messiah meant somebody who would have a rulership, whose kingdom would never end, the increase of it would not stop, and he would have unparalleled power and peace. He was going to be Christ, Messiah. In his his rulership, he was going to exercise the benefit for humanity rather than against humanity, that he was going to save humanity rather than judge humanity. Aren't you glad that he who is all-powerful decides to use his power to help you rather than harm you? I am so happy that God didn't give me all power. I am. I am. I'm I'm especially happy he didn't give it to you. I really am. I really am. Because I might cut you off on the road and just go right on into heaven. (laughs) 
You might say something about me. You might wit you just I, God stop kill him. Gone. <laughs> all power. All power. That, that's what happens when you got all we just don't have the character to handle all the power. We want to blast people whenever they hurt us. We want vengeance whenever they do us wrong. We'd use that power to to figure out how to manipulate circumstances so we didn't have to go to work. (laughs) We'd be dangerous. But God uses his omnipotence to help us. He sent his son to die. He used his rulership to save rather than to harm. And what he requires is this is that we not only call him Lord, but acknowledge him as such in our lives. That it's not just a title, it's actually a function. You are the Lord of my life. You're not just Lord of the universe. I acknowledge you as Lord of my life, and I want you to know, you being Lord means master, ruler, owner, controller. I choose to obey you every day for the rest of my days. When I blow it, I choose to obey you by repenting changing my mind about what I did so I don't do it again, asking for forgiveness, feeling a sense of remorse, and being restored back to you, and doing that as quickly as possible. Lord, that's what it means when I call you Lord. I'm your boy. You tell me what to do, I do it. You tell me what to say, I say it. You tell me where to go, I go. Lord, a Savior has been born for you today, Christ, who is Lord. And as the the angel, the messenger, is getting this thing out, all of a sudden... He gets, he gets a choir that appears behind him. Now, I don't know if that was scripted. I think it was scripted for the angel to show up to the shepherds. But I, I, my sense is this, that, that all of a sudden, the angelic beings that were left out of the moment realized, hey, this is like once in, in, an, in an ever. This is once in an ever. Can I go? God, can I please go? Can I go? Can I, can I be a part of the announcement? I, I, you know, I, please, I want to tell my other angel friends that I was there. All of a sudden, these angelic beings show up. Glory to God in the highest. And peace among men with whom he is well pleased. And they're singing it. Could they have said it? Yeah, but they thought, hey, let's get the four-part thing going on. We want to make this a moment, okay? You get that. You get soprano, alto, tenor. Take it. Let go. Glory. Oh, they're saying God has done it. And he is bringing peace to the earth. Peace. Mankind has warred with God since Adam fell trying to figure out how in the world either to get him out or manipulate him to do their will fighting against him constantly. This is a message. Glory to God in the highest. And peace for whom? Among men with whom he is well pleased. Now we shorten that. Peace on earth. Amen. Peace is always good wherever it goes. And if it's for the entire planet and somebody wants to use it like that, that's good. But let's not forget the specific message that the angels brought. Peace among those whom God is well pleased. So if he finds pleasure with your life, you're going to experience peace on the regular. And that's why it's important not to be minimalistic in your Christianity. To not just figure out how to get by. Okay, pastor, now, which commandments are the most important? I mean, I, I know that in Do Not Murder, I got that one. 
the, the, the stealing, yeah, that, that's bad too. Um, the, the adultery, not good. Yeah, not, not good. Not good, the adultery. And they start, you can feel the conviction beginning to wane as they go through. That Sabbath thing? Yeah, that, 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 that bearing false witness, not lying. Yeah, sometimes, you know. That covetous thing, you mean I can't desire anything that somebody else has? Ever? 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 Not once. What, what about that worshiping him only and not having other idols? Which one do I... See, that's what, the, that's what the, the religious leaders... Which one is the greatest commandment? They weren't asking to just try to figure out how they could obey better. They were trying to figure out what they couldn't do and to try to figure out how they could get Jesus in a trap. What don't I have to do and how can I catch you whereby you're saying the wrong one so that nobody considers you legitimate anymore? We're always trying to figure out what we can do to get by. Most people are not pressing the the pedal to the metal in their spiritual lives because to please God means you're trying to bring a smile to his face and you have gone way beyond minimalistic Christianity. You're not just trying to figure out how you can get by on the skin of your teeth and make sure you're going to heaven, but living like the devil here. You are trying to figure out, God, in this fresh 24, how can I bring a smile to your face? When you, when you have that attitude and you live like that, peace comes to your life. He issues it. And then the shepherds. It says the shepherds, they, they say, this, the Savior's been born in Bethlehem. Go and see. The shepherds were the confirmation to Mary and Joseph that this thing was true. Now, Mary knew because she was pregnant. And she'd never been with a man. It wasn't an issue. But Joseph... When that baby did not come out and fly around the room like Superman? I mean, literally, what, what does a God child look like? How am I supposed to perceive this baby who's born? Is he going to come out preaching? Is he going to have wings? Well, what does it look like? And when he came out with just five fingers on each hand and five toes on each foot, and he looked like a normal baby, Joseph kind of looked at Mary and said, can we have a conversation? Can we have a, because this ain't no God child. This is just a human, this is just a baby. That's all it is, a baby. Baby, you say you pregnant by God? Come on now, come on now. Now maybe he didn't have that conversation, but it was in his brain. And all of a sudden, a knock comes on the cave door. Anybody in there? Yeah. Uh, Can we come in? Who are, <laughs> who are you? Thank you, baby. Thank you. Who are you? Who are you? Well, I, I don't want to disturb the moment. I know y'all just, but we, we, some angels, like we were out in the fields and they just told us that you had a baby in here. Is that right? Said that the baby was Christ, the Lord, the king of the universe. Is True? All of a sudden, Joseph's thinking, it's true. It's true. There are people that need convincing. There are people that need convincing. They don't know. They need a messenger who's going to come and tell them exactly what God has done, what God has told them. I'm begging you during this holiday season, do something. 
do something. And those of you who are now hearing, maybe for the first time, even though you've heard this story multiple times, it's like you're hearing it for the first time, what are you waiting for? If you happen to be the shepherds that I'm talking to today, even though there's not much about me that looks very angelic, I am your messenger today. <laughs> Sorry. I'm telling you about who he is. Let me ask you a question. It says they hurried to Bethlehem. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I'm begging you. Run to the Christ child today and give your life and let him sit on the throne of your soul so that you can have the merriest of Christmases. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I love you. I thank you for your goodness and grace. Inspire and bless, I pray.